Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. The same God that touched people here today that are singing about this because let me inform you of something that maybe someone was just moving their lips with the lyric, but many were here today singing that as a testimony. He's touched me. He has touched me. And that same God that touched me and touched others in this house is here. And he didn't just show up to make us feel better about ourselves. He didn't just show up to fulfill an obligation of his word that said if we'll gather in his name, he'll come. He didn't come here out of obligation, but he's here of his free will today to touch and change our lives. And we are very, very honored this morning to have Brother and Sister Topping with us, Brother Heath and Sister Brittany Topping. We're happy to have them with us. They have such a tremendous spirit. I've always said that the spirit of a person precedes them, goes before them. And so before you ever have an opportunity to even speak with them or hear them speak, there's just something pure that emanates from their life and their heart, and I appreciate that very, very much. And we're also thankful to have Sister Topping's brother, Derek, and his friend, Taylor. Thank you for being with us today. And I want to thank my good friend, Brother uh, brother Williams, that has given up four folks from his church to come be with us today. I'm sure he may want to, he may want to pay me back at some point. But we're thankful that he has given them up to come and be with us today. And I, I believe that the Lord has already spoken to Brother Topping's heart. I believe God has already prepared him for this day. As a matter of fact, I believe God has prepared us for this day and this moment. And I wonder if we could, with all of our heart, just make Brother Topping welcome to this pulpit today for the very first time in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord, church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning where everything is possible. We serve an awesome God. We serve the mighty God, the one true God. Amen? Praise God. It's always good to come and worship and praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. I'd like to thank your pastor for allowing me and my wife to come here today. Um, he's always been very, very nice to us. He's, he's just always had a good spirit about him. He's I, th I think y'all are very privileged to have him as y'all's pastor. He's always been very sweet and kind and generous to us. Praise the Lord. Um, today I'd like to um, turn your attention to the book of John chapter 14, verse 6. When y'all have it, please say amen. We'll go ahead and try to quote it. And Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Amen. If you're not seated, you may be seated. I would like to title my message or my topic today, Jesus, 
the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. How many of us want to go to heaven today? I want to go to heaven. Amen. We're going to start out there right now. The Bible says that heaven is a beautiful place. It's a place where the streets are gold as a transparent glass. The Bible says that there's walls of jasper. There's 12 foundations or multi, multicolored stones that are laid upon the foundation of heaven. The Bible says that there's a crystal clear river of water flowing from the throne of heaven. And the best thing about it is there's no more pain. There's no more suffering. There's no more anger or agony. There's no more sin. There's no more um, uh, lust or anything that's going to come along with being in heaven. And Jesus himself is going to be there sitting upon the throne throne of glory. Amen. Amen. I would like to turn your attention to the last part of my title, Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. I believe the life that Jesus is speaking of is eternal life with him. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, for whosoever believeth in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And we need to strive to have everlasting life through Jesus Christ. That life we're going to have is in heaven, that beautiful place, the place that I desperately want to go and want to see everybody go with me. Amen. But today I want to take us through a journey back in the Old Testament through the tabernacle. And I believe going through the tabernacle will give us a roadmap or a journey to heaven. But I would like to start in the back of the tabernacle with the most holy place or the holy of holies. And I believe that the holy of holies or the most holy place is a type of heaven. The Bible says that upon the veil going into the holy place, there are cherubims that are on the, the, the uh, veil or angels. When you walk in, they say if you looked up on the ceiling, you can see cherubims upon the ceiling. This is a type of angels that are in heaven worshiping God. Also in the place of the most holy is the Ark of the Covenant. And sitting upon the Ark of the Covenant is the mercy seat, representing the throne of God. And in the holy place, the most holy place, once a year, it says that the Shekinah glory would come down and rest upon the throne or the mercy seat of God. In heaven, in Revelations, it talks about the Ark of the Testament, the Ark of the Covenant being in heaven representing being in the holy place, or the most holy place, excuse me. We find also that the Shekinah glory would come in to the whole, most holy place because there was no light in there, and this glory would fill the place and it would light up the most holy place. Just like in heaven, the Bible says that there's no need of a sun or a moon, but the glory of God will fill heaven and it will give light to heaven. And I'm here today to tell you that we have to get to the most holy place. We have to get to heaven today. If you want to enter into God and get to heaven, we have to strive to get to heaven. We have to strive to get into the presence of God. We have to be able to walk upon the streets of gold. We have to be able to see the crystal clear river of water. We have to be able to see the walls of Jasper. We will not have eternal life if we do not get into heaven, into the glory of God. Praise the Lord. Is there anybody here today that wants to go to heaven? Is there anybody here today that wants to see the face of Jesus Christ? Is there anybody here today that don't want to have any more pain in their body? No more sorrows. No more tears in their life. Praise the Lord. We 
serve a mighty God and he has given us a plan, a journey to get to this place. When you look at the tabernacle, you see the outside and on the east side of the tabernacle, there is a gate or a door and it's about 30 foot wide, the Bible says. And Jesus says in the scripture, he says, I am the door of the sheep. He said, if you come to me, you'll be saved. But before you can enter into the tabernacle, Jesus, you have to know who he is. You have to know what he did. The Bible says in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And it goes on down and says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. You have to know that Jesus Christ is God manifested in the flesh. You have to know that he is Lord of lords and King of kings. You have to know that he is the healer. He is the way, the truth, and the life. You have to know that Jesus Christ went to Calvary and died for your sins. You have to know that he took the stripes upon his back for your healings. Is there anybody in the house of the Lord tonight, today, that knows who Jesus Christ is? Is there anybody in the house of God today that is thankful that we have a God who went to Calvary? He didn't have to die for you. He didn't have to take the nails for you. He didn't have to take the crown of thorns for you. He didn't have to do all those things for you. But he did because he wanted to make a way for you to enter into his glory. That's the awesome God I serve. Not only is he our redeemer, but he is our healer. He is our provider. He is our everything. He is everything that you need. If you need a miracle today, we serve a miracle working God. We serve a God who answers prayers. We serve a God who is high and lifted up. We have to worship the King of kings and Lord of lords. The next step it says, when you come to the gate, I think it's in Psalms, it says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. You cannot enter into the presence of God unless you first come to him with thanksgiving. We have to thank God for what he's done and what he's done for us. Are you thankful today that he has saved your soul? Are you thankful today that he has healed your body? Are you thankful today that we serve a God who went to Calvary and died for us? Are you thankful today that you have this beautiful building? Are you thankful today that he's going to prepare a place for you and I to dwell where there are many mansions? Why don't we lift our hands and our voices right now and thank God. Oh, Lord, we thank you for the things that you've given us. Lord, we thank you for your presence. Lord, we thank you, Lord God, for everything that you've done for us. We have to enter in into your presence, Lord God. We have to enter in with thanksgiving, with a thankful heart. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We serve the most awesome God and there never should be a day that goes by that we should not thank him for what he's done for us. He saved us from this wretched world. He saved us from a world of darkness. He saved us out of sin and resurrected us into a new life. It's all because of him and I'm so thankful that I serve Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. The next thing it says is to praise God when you enter into his courts because after you enter the gate, you, you come into the court. You come into the place where the, where the altar and the brazen labor are. But before you can get to the altar of God, you have to praise God. 
You have to tell God, Lord, I, I thank you for what you've done, God. Lord, you're so holy. Lord, you're so righteous. Lord, you're mighty. Lord, you're glorious. Lord, there's only one God, and your name is Jesus. The Bible says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. We should stand right now and praise God for who he is, not just what he's done for us, but who he is. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the great I am, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end the first and the last oh hallelujah what an awesome God Lord you're mighty praise God church praise him praise him church let's enter into the presence of God let's enter into the presence of God this morning thank you Lord we praise you we magnify you Lord you're awesome Lord you're awesome Lord you're awesome it just makes me so feel so privileged to have a God who came to earth and died for us. He didn't have to. He didn't have to descend from up there to come down here and become a man, but he did. And I'm so blessed and I'm so thankful and I love to praise him every day. I don't want to forget to praise him because it's so important to come into the presence of God with thanksgiving and with praise. Amen. Remember, we're getting to heaven. We're on a journey to heaven through the tabernacle. We're not meant to stay here on this earth. The Bible says that we're like a vapor. We're here and then we're gone. Our life on this earth is not the eternal life that we need to live for. But what we need to live for is Jesus Christ so that we can see him in glory. Amen. 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 The next thing that we come to in the court is the brazen altar. Now this altar was used to sacrifice animals on for a sin offering or, or for a thanksgiving offering or a goodwill offering. There were several different offerings that were offered up on the sacrifice, I mean on the altar of sacrifice. But we cannot go any further unless we first die to the old man. We cannot move any closer to God unless we lay down the cares of the world. We cannot move closer to God unless we lay it down all, all, all for him. Not partially, not some, some of the way, but all the way. The Bible says in Romans, I ask, he says, I ask you to present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. That means that we have to be holy. If we want to enter into the next place, which would be the holy place, we have to become holy. And the first step to become holy is through sacrificing our flesh and through repentance. This is an altar of repentance, an altar of sacrifice. The reason it's an altar of sacrifice is because we got to give up some things. Our flesh does not want to give up anything that makes us feel good. It doesn't want to let us give up the, the things that we really lust after, the things we really want. Because when you start getting rid of things that you want, it starts hurting. It starts pulling at your flesh. It starts burning. It starts hurting and it just keeps on going. But it's a sacrifice that we have to make. We have to lay down sin at the altar of repentance. If you don't repent, you can't move closer. Repentance is turning away from what your love is in the world. 
If you love the world, then you don't love God. The world, Bible says if you love the world, you can't love him. Because God is not the world. He's not sin. Jesus Christ is a sinless. He's sinless. So we have to become sinless. We have to lay down ourselves at the altar of repentance. Is there anybody here today that struggles with with something in their life that may cause them to fall back? Because there's always the door to go back out of. I guess that would be considered backsliding. We cannot backslide out of the tabernacle. We cannot backslide out of the tent because it is getting tough and it is getting hard. We have to press forward in Jesus. Jesus laid his life upon the cross. He went through all that pain for you and he went through it for me. How much more should we be willing to say, okay, God, if you laid your life down for me and you took real pain, real suffering, you took real nails in your hands, real nails in your feet, real whip upon your back, real thorns upon your head, and they whipped his head with the reed, it says, and that crown pressed into his skull. When we sacrifice, it's not sacrificing our earthly flesh, but it's sacrificing our spiritual man, our spiritual flesh, and those are the things that hurt. I don't like to hurt just like anybody else doesn't like to hurt. But we got to press through and we got to turn away from sin. We got to lay down our sexual desires. We got to lay down our lust for the, the world. We have to do it. The next step we come to or the next thing we come to in the courtyard is the brazen laver, which is what they use to clean up themselves, their hands and their feet. The brazen laver represents baptism. We have to be cleansed by the word. The Bible says that the word is what washes us. But remember, Jesus is the word. So we have to be washed in Jesus We have to be washed in the word. We have to be buried with him in baptism and resurrected with him in newness of life. When we go in the water of baptism, we are to come up a clean man. The Bible says that they built the brazen labor out of mirrors that women used to look at themselves. They were highly polished mirrors. And it made me think, why why would they want to use highly polished mirrors? I got to thinking, well, maybe I want to look at myself when I come out of the water. Maybe I want to see how dirty I was. Maybe God allowed me to see where I came from, to look back in that water where all my sins are buried. How many of you can remember your sins before God set you free? How many of you can remember what God has brought you through? How many of you can remember the life that you was leaving before you came to Jesus? The water would be really dirty for some of us. We would look really, really dirty if we went back to where we once was. If we ran out past the sacrifice, the altar, and ran back out the door into the world, it wouldn't take very long before we would get filthy again before we would start falling again to sin and to lust and to desires of the flesh and the heart and the body. But we have to continue on the journey. We have to be washed in the name of Jesus. We have to have the name Jesus applied to our life. 
For there is no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved than by the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that at that name every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. We have to have Jesus' name, his name applied to our life. We have to have Jesus washing and cleansing us throughout our journey to heaven. The next place that we would come to will be into the holy place. The first place is the holy place. Not the most holy, but the holy place. And I believe this is where after you are repentant of your sins and you've been baptized in Jesus' name, as you transition into the holy place, this is a place that, of communion. This is a place where you commune with God. And the Bible says that when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Now, I believe this is a way of communicating with God because the Spirit, it gives intercessions when you pray, when you pray in the Spirit. When you enter into the holy place, This is where you are filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. This is where you come into a place that that God is taking over. That you've allowed God to really maneuver in your life. You've allowed God to help you lay down your sins. You've allowed the name of Jesus to be placed upon your life and wash your sins away. And now you have become holy. Because an unholy man or woman cannot enter into a holy place. You can't go somewhere clean if you're dirty. They got places in this world that they have like labs and and, and quarantines that you can't go in unless you're first cleansed or cleaned. And you have to go in this this room and they they decontaminate you and then they bring you into the uh, the clean place. This is the same thing with God. When you, to come into the presence of God, to be communing with God, to live with God and reign with God, you have to first make yourself clean. And that is the purpose of the courtyard, of the court. The Bible says, as then Peter said unto them, repent, sacrifice, repentance, the altar, be baptized, the brazen labor. Then it says, to be filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Okay? When we enter into the holy place, we are transitioning from an impure, unholy man to a holy, pure man. And when we go behind that first veil, we begin to feel the presence of God and that presence of God starts welling up in us and we began to commune with him in another language. That is the infilling of the Holy Ghost. The first thing that we see in the holy place is the, gold, the golden menorah, which is the lampstand. This lampstand was made out of pure gold and the lampstand was built to where it had three stems coming out one side and three coming out the other side. And then one straight up in the middle. And on top of the menorah, there was plates or little bowls that were filled with olive oil. And on that, they had um, uh, wicks that they were lit and that they gave the light into the holy place. Okay? If you take away the middle, middle light out of the menorah, you have three on each side, which is the number six. The number six is the number of man. Without God, we are incomplete. But when that middle light is there, That is God in the middle of our lives. God has to be the center of our life. That number is seven, which is the number of God, the number of completion. We have to have God in the center of our lives. We have to have him right here. The Bible says that God is light. It says that Jesus came down from heaven and that he was the light here on earth. 
When we enter into the holy place and into communion with God, we are entering into a place where we have to become the light. This place is the place where we are today. If you've been baptized, if you repented of your sins and you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you are in a place of communion with God every day. You are a place where you have to pray and worship and talk to God because if you don't obey the place of communion, you're going to backslide and run out behind the veil, run past the baptism place and run right past the, the sacrifice, the altar, and leave again, and you're going to become dirty. You can't allow yourself to be scared of the holy place. You can't allow yourself to be scared because everybody looks at you different because you're holy. You can't allow the world to get the best of you. I wonder what it looks like on the outside of this place. I wonder what it looks like on the outside of the the holy place. There's probably a lot going on. There's probably a lot of good stuff that I want to see going on. But we got to stay within the holy place. We got to stay within the holy place. We got to let our light shine. When God fills us with the Holy Ghost, we become the light. We become the light of Christ. We have the duty and the responsibility to let our light shine in the world of darkness. We cannot hide the light of Christ which is in us and put it under a basket. But we have to remove the basket and allow God to shine out of us. Because you never know when you're going to be a witness or a testimony to somebody else. Your light shining, that light of Christ within you, when it is shining, your light might be the only thing that brings a sinner into the house of God. A church is like a city set upon a hill. When that city is set upon a hill and there are many people in the church, everybody's light is shining. And when everybody's light is shining into the world of darkness, and it's upon a hill. It's giving light out. And when there's a person in the way far off, maybe they're struggling or maybe they're hurting in their life or maybe they need something, they can look up to the hill and they can see that city, the church of the living God, and they can run to the light and you can share the gospel of peace with them. And you can bring them into the courtyard and you can bring them into the, to the holy place and allow them to live as a fellow saint of God because our duty is to continue to build the church we are not supposed to be a light that is dwindling down but we are supposed to be a light that is anointed with the anointing oil of God that anointing olive oil is an anointing when they took anointed people they put olive oil on their head a sign of anointing that means help we gotta have the help of God in our lives to be the light That Holy Spirit is the help. He is the comforter. He is the spirit of truth in our lives. As the light is shining in the holy place, we look over to the right and we will see the table of showbread or the table of presence or the table of faces. It's got different meanings. And this what represented the 12 tribes of Israel before God. But I believe today that it represents the body of Christ. Jesus said that he, the Bible says that Jesus was the bread that was sent down from heaven. It said that he was that bread that came down from heaven. We had to partake of it. The Bible says in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. 
The bread represents Jesus. Jesus is the word. And the Bible says that we should take the bread and we, we should take it and break it and eat it and do it in remembrance of him. When we eat the word, when we eat the flesh, it should be as a, as a remembrance of Jesus, but not only as a remembrance of Jesus, but it should represent the time that we are opening our Bibles and we are consuming the living word of God because Jesus is not dead. He's alive. His flesh, is, his body is not dead, but he is alive. When we consume that flesh, when we consume that bread, we are consuming something that is alive. And that living thing, when we eat it, it gives us energy. Bread, meat, it sustains you. It gives you life. We have to partake of the word of God. We have to partake of the living word. The living word coupled with the light is going to bring us and help us and guide us. The Bible says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy word is a lamp. That menorah that gives light, it's it's the word. That bread, it represents the word and the body of Christ. We have to take on Jesus in our lives. We have to commune with him. This is a place of communion. Everything in here is is to do with communicate with God. And if we don't communicate with God, that's when we fall away and we, we run back out the tabernacle. We can't allow ourselves to run backwards. We can't allow ourselves to run out of the place of God. The last thing we see in the holy place is the golden altar of incense. The golden altar of incense represents the prayers of the saints. It represents your prayers. It represents the things that you ask God. But I believe if you're not following the light, if you're not being the light, if you're not allowing God anointing to help you be the light, if you're not allowing Jesus to be the center of your life, if you're not feeding upon the word of God, if you're not allowing uh, yourself to commune with God by taking of his bread, then I don't believe that you can really approach the golden altar of incense. Because how is God going to hear your prayers if you're now not allowing God to be the light of your life? If you, you, he can't hear your prayers if you're not eating the word, if you're not growing, if you're not getting stronger. Our prayers is very, very important. The things that we pray make a difference. How many of you prayed and God has answered a prayer? How many of you prayed and God has healed your body? How many of you prayed and God has set one of your family members free from sin? How many of you have prayed and God has talked to you and said, okay, if you obey what I'm telling you, I'm going to bring you out of your situation. God is not going to let you sit where you're at if you follow in the way that he would have you to go. We have to pray. Prayer is one of the most important things that we do. If we don't pray, God is not going to deliver us. If we don't pray, God's not going to hear us. Because the light, all it does is is leads us. It shows us where to go. The bread, we grow and we feed and it helps us. But when we pray, that's the communication, the full communication. That's when he hears us and we hear his word. And we have to follow what he says. Whether it be through your pastor or through prayer, God's telling you, we cannot enter into the place called heaven. 
We cannot enter into the glorious place that is beautiful unless we pray because this life is hard. This life is rough. This life is not easy. There are many things that would like to... uh, to sidetrack you or to get you off your rocker or to move you to the left or to the right. The Bible says straight is the gate and narrow is the way to life. And life is that eternal life to heaven. I'm I'm coming to an end. I really felt like this is a word that God had, had given me and I've really battled a lot spiritually, and, I, and, I, and me personally, I can tell today. But I believe it's because the enemy did not want me to preach this message. The enemy does not want me to tell you that it's hard, that you have to make sacrifices, that you have to lay down things you don't want to lay down. The enemy doesn't want me to tell you that you have to be pure. The enemy doesn't want me to tell you that you have to be cleansed to enter into the presence of God. There's so many people out there in the world that think that they just believe that they're, they're saved. But it's not the case. Being saved is being baptized and repenting and it's being filled with the Holy Ghost and it's not just stopping there, but it is a continual process, the process of sanctification. Because if you stop praying, if you stop communing with God, it's so easy to run back through everything that you've done came from. And the second time is going to be a little harder. So we really have got to press through. We have really got to bind together as a church today. These times are dark that we live in. These times are hard that we live in. I see so many things that I I, I read on, on the news and it just really upsets me because I'm like, why, why would people do these things? Why, why would people fuss because somebody prays in school or, or fuss because somebody prayed at a ball game? or why, why? Because the enemy is trying to take everything that we have. And remember, the closest thing to the most holy places are prayers. So the enemy is going to start attacking our prayers. And if he can get us from our prayers, he's going to walk us back. He's going to walk us back to the veil of the holy place and to the courtyard. He's going to walk us out of there back into the, to the real world, into the world of sin. And I'm asking anyone today, I don't know who you are. I've never been here before. I, I don't know really anybody except a few people that I met when I came here today. And I really don't know them. I don't know if I can actually remember their names. Because I was just so overwhelmed with a lot of things in my heart and mind and just everything going, going through my mind. But I really felt like today that God wanted to talk to somebody's heart. Because maybe there's somebody here that needs to know the way. Maybe there's somebody here that needs to know you have to repent. You have to sacrifice. Maybe there's somebody here that needs to know that they have to be baptized in Jesus' name. Maybe there's somebody here that needs to know that they have to be filled with the Holy Ghost and commune with God. Or maybe it's the opposite way. Maybe the enemy is coming in into your life and telling you, hey, you don't need to pray. Or maybe you're praying less because distractions are around you. Maybe you're not reading your Bible like you should, that word, that bread. Maybe you're not allowing God to be the light of your life and the center of your life. And you're slowly backing off from God. 
But I come here today with a heart that is heavy. And I'm asking you today. I'm not asking, and I often say this, and I really mean it every time I say it. I'm not asking people to come up to the altar because you have a special speaker. And it's the, the, the etiquette thing to do. Or the thing to do because we have a special speaker. I'm asking if someone here is genuinely struggling or someone is genuinely seeking after God to come to the altar because here's the deal. I felt like God gave me this word and I would rather one person come to the altar or even nobody come to the altar because maybe somebody's scared or or, or is, is afraid to come before God. But I know within my heart that I gave the word that God has given me. But I'm asking you, is there anybody here today that is tired of backsliding? That is tired of closing their eyes to God? That is tired of closing and putting their Bible on the shelves and not reading them them every day? Is there anybody here today that knows in their spirit and God is God is crying out within you, please, child, don't backslide. Don't run back through my tabernacle. Don't go back where I've already brought you through. Maybe you're the person that really needs a supernatural experience. And I'm opening up the altars right now. I'm opening up this place of sacrifice. I'm opening up this place today for someone who is hungry for God. Is there anybody here that wants to go to heaven? Is there anybody here that wants to walk upon the streets of gold? Is there anybody here that wants to see the walls of jasper and the gates of pearl and the glory of God that shines? Is there anybody that wants to bow down before the feet of Jesus? Is there anybody that wants to see his face? I really feel like someone is holding back. I really feel like someone is struggling right now. I ask you to let your whole heart go. Let Jesus Christ be your Redeemer. Let Him take control of your life. Let him guide you through this world of darkness. He I plead with you right now, church. I really feel like if we press through right now, if you really pray like you haven't prayed in a while. If you really repent like you haven't repent, repented in a while, that God will change your life.
Cry out, church. Cry out with all your heart and soul. Don't be afraid of who's next to you. Don't be afraid who might laugh at you or ridicule you. It doesn't matter. Only Jesus Christ matters today. Can you feel the presence of God? Can you feel the light of Christ entering into this place? Can you feel the almighty glory of God filling your life today? This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.